welcome to High Tide, Low Tide, the podcast where we talk about all things mental health and where we share our stories with the knowledge that it could just be the lifeline of hope for someone who is hurting and afraid that they're the only one. I'm your host, Lisa Scanlon, and I am so glad that you're here with me today. Just a little reminder here, guys, that we are discussing mental health in this episode, so we may touch on things like suicide or self-harm, which may be a trigger for you. As always, I'll pop resources in the show notes or know that you can call Lifeline 24-7 on 13 11 14. Hi, guys, and welcome back to High Tide, Low Tide. This is a very, very special episode this week because I have a very, very special guest and that guest this week is my mom. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for having me. Well, thank you yeah. for helping me out and coming on to have a chat. I'm very, very excited um, to talk all through of this, through all of this stuff today. I'm not sure if I'm excited, but we'll find out. <laughs> Well, we chat all no, the time, it's fine. so we all do, this I is know. having I conversations, know. so we'll be fine, I think. Yeah. yeah. For anyone who has had the pleasure of meeting my mum, they'll know that she is the best person ever. All of my girlfriends Aww. would agree. I know Jazz still asks me about when she's coming over for hot chicken sandwiches, <laughs> which was a mum special on a Saturday back in the day. With Baker's Delight bread. Yes. I haven't had that for so long. Hot chicken from yeah. Coles. So um, would you like to give the listeners who don't know you a little bit of information about you? Absolutely. So my name's Robin. I'm mother of three. I've been a nurse for 40-something years. Mm-hmm. Um, I've lived locally in Largs really all my adult life. I'm one of six children. Yes. I always wanted six children. <laughs> you got halfway there. <laughs> I got halfway, so I can't complain about that. Um, I love my local area. Yeah, that's basically me. Wonderful. <laughs> So it's pretty cool that you have like I don't think I don't think I know many other people who've literally only ever had one job. Like you've worked at different places, but you've been a nurse for forty-seven years. No, no, not forty-seven. Oh, sorry. What'd you say? Uh, forty-two. Oh, for, 42. close enough. Forty-two. Yeah, years. yeah, forty-two. Yeah. Yeah, and so you did that straight out of school. I actually applied for nursing to get out of school because oh. I didn't want to finish year 12. Um, so I applied for nursing and I got in, but not until another six months. So I had to finish year 12 and then I did nursing. Okay. And you you, were, you and Grandma and Grandpa, you were living in Adelaide at that time or no? We were living at um, Kaipo near yeah. Mount Compass and then when... I applied for nursing at the same time they bought the fruit shop and the um, health food shop where? in Kadena. Oh, in Kadena. Yeah. Which is where they all live yeah, now. Yeah, since then. Yeah. So, so they, um, and I had to live in the nurses' home, so they moved to Kadena and then when I'd finished school I moved to the nurses' home at Victor Harbour because that's what you had to do. You had to live in the nurses' home so they could keep track of you. 
Yeah. So it's quite different to obviously now, like, you know, yeah. now you've got to do a university degree, whereas for, for yourself, it was all like... On the job. On the job. On the right? job learning, yeah. And study as well, but on the job. Yeah. Yeah. You'd have block, so it was called. So that was when you do six weeks of study. Okay. And then the rest of the time in between, you would be working actually in the hospital. Okay. Yeah. And how did you find that? It was... It was... Interesting. We had so much fun, but it was so strict. Yeah. Like we had to apply to be out after 10 o'clock at night. You had mm-hmm. to get permission from the matron. They used to come in every morning to your bedroom when you're at work and check that the bed was made properly with all pro- proper mm. hospital, hospital corners. Hospital corners, and yeah. And if, if it wasn't, they would be ripped off and, oh and you, you would have to start again. Someone would, a night shift person would come around to make sure everybody was in bed on their own. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, we'd be in having lunch in the hospital big lunchroom and if anybody above you walked in, you had to stand up. And because we were right at the bottom, every time someone walked in, we were up, down, (laughs) up, down, up, down. It was just, yeah. So it sounds so archaic now, but that was just, yeah. That was pretty normal. But how long was that nurses' school? Well, that training it was or? a year. That, oh, it was only it a year. It was a year. Yeah, registered nurses was three years, enrolled yeah. nurse was one year. Okay. Yeah. And so you did that at eighteen. I turned eighteen because I was allowed to drink. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> In that year. But like that's quite you know a lot for you know someone to move, you know, out of home really and move away from home at eighteen. Yeah. Now. Well, I was seventeen, but now. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it seemed perfectly normal, normal then because yeah. people did leave home earlier. Mm-hmm. But if I look back, the responsibilities that we had as seventeen and eighteen-year-olds, even in our workplace, um, were enormous. I can't imagine seventeen and eighteen-year-olds doing what we did. What kind of things then. were you doing? I then? couldn't say. I've said. I think oh, okay. I've said- <laughs> not get you into any trouble. <laughs> no, things like we would do the, you'd be on night duty and you would do the drug round and you would have the drug trolley and you would be giving everybody oh. their drugs. Yeah. Yeah. Like if you think about that, yeah. you know, making sure you got all that right. And there would only be um, like two ENs and one registered nurse when I was at Victor Harbour, which is where I did the training, Yeah, for the entire night shift. And because it's such a touristy area, we would have like really bad things. Like we had one night um, a really bad car accident where I had to special a really a young guy um, who had a really bad head injury until he could be taken by ambulance to Adelaide. Wow. Um, yeah, things like that. Yeah, it's crazy to think, really, because like now, I mean, I'm 34 now, and it's. Like, looking back, like, a 17, 18, 19, 20-year-old, like, you're still a child, really. Like, at the the time, you certainly don't feel that way. But, yeah, looking back on it now, and to think that you were doing those kinds of things at that age is quite, you know, a lot, really. Oh, it is. Yeah. Yeah, it is. We didn't think so at the time because you were just learning and you just did, did what you were taught to do and what you were told to do. Yeah, and then so obviously you did your training there and then you went off and worked in Port- a couple of other places yeah, as went well. Yeah, Port Lincoln yeah, yeah. and then came to Adelaide. Yeah, and so you're working in a couple of different hospitals. 
Yeah, I worked in Port Lincoln Hospital and then I came back to Adelaide to do a Mothercraft nurse course. Mm-hmm. Which and is, if you could explain that. It was at um, Torrens House, which is on South Terrace. It's still there, I'm pretty sure. So it's where parents would take, uh, would go and stay um, if they're having difficulties with their baby and you would teach them different techniques to use, how to feed, what to do. It was also where a lot of the babies for adoption at the time would come to a part of that hospital until they were placed with families. Okay. Um, but from the time I started at Torrance House to the time I finished, which wasn't huge, it was probably 18 months or so, yeah. um, the amount of babies for adoption had reduced so dramatically that there was hardly, you know, hardly any. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, you've been in the, like, health space for a very long time. Very long. So how have you seen, obviously, the show being about mental health, how have you seen the mental health space develop over those years? It has changed completely. Like, the change is enormous. Mm -hmm. Um, I think from being very little awareness to what I feel is like huge awareness now. Yeah. It's a huge, huge change. Yeah. Um, And I guess uh, what some people might have thought was just, um, for instance, just a low self-esteem or what, you know, it was just different versions. Yeah. Yeah. um, Of what that actually was. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a huge amount more awareness now than there was then. Did you see many people getting diagnosed with anything, you know, if you were to think back even 20 years ago? My memory is terrible. Yeah. <laughs> well, like, I'll just, just say, say that like, back then sounds so like... Well, it is back then. Yeah. Um, but I don't remember um, knowing a lot about anybody who had depression or any other mental health um, issues. Um, I I can remember just for myself when I was in Port Lincoln, I would say I got depressed then. Okay. And when I came back, I came back for a short time in between jobs to live with mum and dad, grandma and grandpa, and they had a health food shop. So mum fed me up with like health food supplements. (laughs) Here, be happy, have some broccoli (laughs) and some tablets. Well, I mean, did it help? Because a healthy diet, you know, a healthy diet, obviously, you know, that was um, what she thought of to do, which is... And it does definitely play a role. Absolutely, you know, a healthy diet and exercise, just just plain common sense things. Um, But, yeah, so there wasn't a huge awareness. um, Yeah. Of it, I think people just thought of things like, um, it, like I said, more low self-esteem yeah. type issues, which is all part of, mm-hmm. uh, can be part of depression also. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. And like, I mean, I think that, so if we think back then, it, it was either like you were sane or you were insane. Yeah. Like there was nothing in between. No, nothing in between. Um, yeah. And I think that's when, like when I was first diagnosed, I had that idea of like, okay, if you have a mental health condition, someone's going to put me in a straight jacket or that's what everybody else is going to think. And I think that has come a long way. Oh, that's, that's completely changed. Yeah. Completely changed. And there are so many levels. Yeah. Now. Yes, definitely. And I guess as... There's been more research and more people interested in looking further into it. Then you know we 
you know, there's there's different diagnosis or different yeah. um, um, conditions that are being found isn't the right word, but um, yeah, it's not just black and white no. anymore. No, you are still working in the health yeah. field, and of course, we can't. Um, we're not going to be discussing any um, specifics yeah. or anything like that, but. Would you agree that, you know, if you were to compare the start of your career to now, there's definitely a lot more people who are being diagnosed? So many, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's just huge the amount of people um, that suffer with some kind of mm-hmm. mental health issue now. Not saying they didn't then. Correct, yeah. But we are, are aware of it and know about it. Yeah. Um, and I think people are becoming more comfortable with acknowledging that they have some form of mental illness, um, whereas I think going back it was probably more, oh, you're just having a down day, just mm-hmm. just get on with it. Toughen up. Yeah, toughen up, just have another vitamin, eat some <laughs> good food <laughs> and move on. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it definitely has come a long way. Yeah. And also if anyone, a couple of my girlfriends have met my grandparents as well and they'll know that they're like, you know, my mum is the product of my grandparents and them, you know, taking that route of, you know, the the good food and the vitamins yeah. and whatnot is just very... Along with the loving yeah. and caring. I, of course, I don't mean, of like course. There was, yeah, no. it wasn't just take a tablet and move forward. <laughs> no, no. Like they, yeah, they are amazing people yeah. and they, they were, are. yeah. Very lucky to have them as well. For those of you who have listened to my story, which was the first episode, and I imagine most people listening to this episode probably have, and also then following on from that, my second episode where I talk about my self-harm journey. So you'll know that my mum played a very um, integral role in that journey um, when it came to... uh, I guess, recognising that something was wrong and needing to take the steps to get help. And I'm very, very grateful for that. So I think it would be really great to sort of talk through that because there could be people listening who are in the shoes that you were. If we go back then, that was probably about 16 years ago now. So it's quite some time. And I would have been 18, 19 years old or so. How, like, what did you first start to notice? Like, was there certain, you know, signs and symptoms or how did you start to realise that there was something wrong with me? Um, as I said before, my memory is terrible. But the one thing that I do remember um, distinctly is how exhausting it was if you were going out somewhere. Yeah. Because it would be a 100 outfits nothing looks good, it would be tears, it would be I don't want to go, I'm just going to stay home, you know, I don't want to go anywhere now. It, and it would be, uh, you know, after a while I would anticipate it. So yeah. I would know Lisa's going out tomorrow night, oh, it's going to be hard work. Yeah, yeah. Because there was no way around it. Yeah, Um it just there was no way of avoiding it, and I think probably for a mum, the hardest bit is is seeing a daughter that you think is absolutely gorgeous, who doesn't think she is. Mm. Yeah, and it's like, how can that be? This is this gorgeous person who thinks they're not this and they're not that and they're not 
skinny enough or they're not whatever, mm. um, it's it's really hard. Yeah, I can imagine. Like, so putting that into like a bit of context from my end, I had a lot of issues uh, in general with self worth, um, and I, in hindsight, believe I had some like mild form of like social anxiety and I think the two kind of like uh, fed into one another so for me I definitely had issues with the way I was thinking which I've spoken about before so you know it it wouldn't just be like okay this pair of shorts doesn't look good it would turn into this pair of shorts doesn't look good nothing look good so nothing looks good on you Uh, everything looks bad you look shit you're yeah. fat, you're yeah. ugly, no yeah. one likes you, no one's going to want to see yeah. you at this party, yeah. why are you even going out, you're useless, just go back to bed yeah. and get under the cover and never come out. Yeah. So that's what's like going through my head. Uh, in the meantime, I've, like a cyclone, drawn the house into it or drawn you at least Me. into that. Yeah. And, you know, it starts to obviously affect other people. So that and that would end in tears all the time. Yeah, I, absolutely. every time as far absolutely. as I can remember. Yeah. And I can remember yeah, those times quite clearly. And yeah, I guess because of where I was at at that time, I didn't know that it wasn't normal, normal. I guess. Yeah. Like well, it can be a little normal because yeah. I do that. So, you know, I well, still yeah, do that I occasionally mean, now. We, I'll have two or three outfits on, but it doesn't escalate to the, you despair. know, the, the tears, the despair and total worthless feeling. Yeah. It doesn't escalate to that. Yeah. And it's, you know, that's the first time that I think I've heard you say that, like, you started anticipating it as well. Yeah. So it's. It's interesting how quickly people adapt to what's happening in their surroundings and that, you know, obviously I was living it, but you were living through it as well. Yeah. Aside from those, you know, meltdowns, so they were obviously like very big flags, red flags for lack of a better term. What else did you notice? Was there anything else that you noticed? Um, To be honest, I had not noticed the self-harm. Yeah. I I was not aware of that. Um, until you talked about it recently, um, yeah, hadn't hadn't even realised that at all. And that was something that we talked about. Yeah. So, from my end, it's it's interesting because in my head, you just know everything about me. But I knew that I hadn't had that conversation specifically with you because in my head, I was like, Mum notices everything. She's probably seen the scar. And when it got published in that, there was an article in which it mentioned self-harm about me. And when you read that, you were like, oh, actually, I didn't know that. And that yeah. was the first time I guess I kind of realised. And then I felt bad because that was not that. how I would have liked you to have realised <laughs> yeah, for the first it's all, it's, time. It's all good. But it's fine. Yeah, then so obviously I had another conversation with you prior to the episode going up where I was like, you really don't have to listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's not... No, I want to know. I want, you know, you want to be aware and you want to know what's going on or what's going on. So, yeah, yeah, that's fine. So, uh, you know, that, and I was very good at hiding it. So I didn't want you to, like, I guess, take that on and be like, oh, you know, feel bad for having not noticed it because it's very, very common that people who self-harm 
become very, very good at hiding it. They do. Yeah. You know, I didn't want you to think yeah, anything no. of that. That's fine. So other That's than fine. that, can you remember anything else? I, I don't remember anything as specific as that, just the general down. Yeah. Like the negative. Yeah. Uh, you know, you get negative or you got negative about, well, it's how you look, you know, all sorts of things. Yeah. It's, it's just a combination of everything all rolled into one. Yeah. Um, so not really any more specific things. Yeah. Just that it's not feeling right. Yeah. It, it, there's a difference between just having a down day and having loads of down days. Yeah, prolonged um, period. Yeah. And teen can be difficult. Teens can be difficult for anybody um, because, you know, you're growing, you're changing, there's a lot of what's happening in other – I want what someone else is happening in their life or why isn't that happening for me, da-da-da-da. Yeah. So it is a difficult time mm, anyway. Definitely. For, for most people. Yeah. Nobody really sails through their teens because no. it's all of the hormones, all of the learning about yourself. And I was um, a high – like I was high-functioning. Mm-hmm. Like I did – really well in school for the yep. most part. Yep. I got myself a part-time job at 14. I bought yeah. myself a car, got mm-hmm. my license. I had a boyfriend. Yep. I had, had a, had a lovely friends. group of friends. Yeah. Yep. All of that. So, so you would not pick it from the outside. No. And honestly, I've had messages from people I did go to school with after they listened to my story being like, I had no idea. No. And I'm like, I get yeah, that. most people didn't. No. Yeah. I get that completely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so like we talked about like that um, – how trying to get ready to go out would be like this whole big explosion. I and like for the that was kind of like my default. So if something you know didn't go how I wanted it to go, or yeah, you know if something was a, a little bit hard, I would be very very hard on myself, and yeah. it would you know spiral me out. And there's some other times that I can remember this happening, and I'm trying to prompt you to see if you can. <laughs> I know exactly. Know exactly. I'm trying I can to think of another you. really good example, like and it's, it's a bit of a funny example now. Story. Looking looking back on it, poor Dylan. We can laugh about it. Yeah, poor <laughs> Dylan. So it was it was some hour of the morning, a.m. Um, and I could hear somebody waking, come into the bedroom, waking me up, and it was Dylan. He was my high school boyfriend. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, I said, I, I need some help. Lisa's in the bathroom crying because we can't get her contact lenses <laughs> out. <laughs> and I, I was like, I went because I never had trouble with my contact lenses, but I knew Lisa did. And, yeah, it was a disaster. It was tears <laughs> on the floor in the bathroom. Contacts won't come out. It's a wonder they didn't flood out with oh, no effort goodness. with all the tears. Is, but we did get them out. <laughs> we did. But, like, in my defence, like, when you're trying to learn to use contact lenses, it is hard. And I feel like my Aunt Melissa will agree with me on this. I Whereas like, I had no trouble. <laughs> oh, like, honestly, I just had a nightmare of a time trying to get used to contact lenses. And I'll come back to, like, I'm going off on a tangent, but whatever. So... Like just I would go to, I'd put it on my finger and then, you know, you're trying to hold, hold your, your upper lid and your <laughs> bottom lid open and then you're trying to look at where you're putting the contact lens but you can't see because you don't have the contact lens in. Uh, and it's a piece of cake. And you go to put it there and it flips back onto your finger. Or they go inside and, out. Oh, and, and then yeah. you get it in and it's the wrong way yeah. and then yeah. oh, trying to get them out. Anyway, I had an absolute nightmare of a time. Yeah. 
with contact lenses when I first started wearing them, which then led to me leaving them in for very long periods of time. I'm like embarrassed to say how long I would leave them in Which is not good for your eyes. And then that resulted in me getting a ulcer on my eyeball. Yes, yes. (laughs) So. Which was a disaster. Oh, my goodness. Lucky that I was home. I was visiting Adelaide when this is whilst I was living in Indonesia and I'd visited Adelaide and the ulcer came up whilst I was at home. So. Moral of the story. <laughs> I don't even know what the moral of that story is. Don't leave is. your contact don't lenses leave your contact in for longer lenses than in. they're supposed to be there. For two weeks at a time. Yes. Um, now I can't even imagine doing that. Um, and anyway, um, if you're out there and you're having trouble with your contact lenses, <laughs> just, just call mum. <laughs> anyway, so like this is just like an, an example of like yeah. something that was realistically minute. Simple, yes. It wasn't a big thing. No. But... When I was going through that, I'm saying into my head, oh, like, you know, you're useless because you can't do this. You're crap because you're having problems doing this. And, you know, I'm half laughing at the moment because it's ridiculous. It is. But at that time. Not at the time. At the time it was disaster. Yeah. And it was, yeah, this is what my life was at that time was that something would happen and it would be a way, like a huge big thing and then I'd feel horrible about myself afterwards. Yeah. That was, I guess, like another example of like what was happening at the time. Yeah. Thank you, Dylan, for going to wake yeah. Mama up to help me get my contact lens I'll have to tell him to listen to this episode so he gets his shout out in here. <laughs> so, you know, I both of us have a terrible memory. I swear you've passed yeah. that on to yeah, me yeah, genetically. Sorry. Sorry. But at some point you've obviously approached me about what's happening. Do you remember that? I don't remember the actual time yeah, we talked about that. Um, no. Do you remember sort of how it felt to, I guess, like realise that you were going to need to have a conversation and did you do anything in the lead up? Like did you speak to anyone beforehand? No, I didn't speak to anybody. I think you just know when you can't offer anything more and when it needs somebody else to provide the something more that's required. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So, no, I I didn't need to speak to anybody else about that. We just moved on with seeing a doctor and... So how did you know what the next steps were? The next step is to go and ask a doctor what to do. (laughs) And lucky you have working with a bunch of doctors. Yeah. So Um, then we had this conversation and then we went to your work. Yeah. And I saw the GP and I remember at that time the GP um, obviously said about seeing a psychologist yeah. but he he or she I don't even remember who the doctor no, was I don't at the remember. time they also suggested medication yeah and I just want to say that I have uh, I'm in full support of people using medication absolutely and um and I know I've seen the benefits of it for mm-hmm. people I I feel like when that was the first the first meeting that we had yeah. that I I don't know that that would have really been the best time to offer it. I I personally think that even maybe the psychologist should be the person who offers that, really, if it's the first time. Yeah, I don't think the first time, depending on the severity. Yeah. um, I don't think it needs to be offered um, the first time, but maybe they were just offering options. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, it's probably not necessary 
not necessary to start This is that. like the first ever GP visit I've ever yeah. had about having a mental health yeah. condition. I just yeah. want to make that really clear. Yeah. And, yeah, like I said, there's definitely a space for it. But um, we didn't – I didn't go down that path. And instead I was referred to the psychologist and I was lucky enough that we got some, like, sessions through your work. Yes. Like through the – is it like the EA or whatever, like the agreement? Yeah. So that was quite handy. That was very handy. Yeah. yeah. Um, during this time, what what did you find the most – challenging in terms of trying to support me or what was think, the hardest part I think the hardest part is just feeling that that you can't give your child the love of themselves mm. you can only give them your love but that's not enough if someone's really feeling down and depressed uh, you know they've got to be able to love themselves back up to a healthy mental health state yeah. that someone else can't do it for you. And it's as a mum, like you feel like you should be able to do everything like that, but you, you can't. Yeah, you can't, yeah. unfortunately. But I guess the best thing that you can do and, and what, you know, you just, did and other friends had done for me is just to be there. Just support. Yeah. yeah. And to give those reminders. And, you know, sometimes as the person who's going through it, you know, we don't, want someone to necessarily try to fix but no. we just want to know that there's somebody there yeah so and I think that's the best thing that people can do and it can be a little bit I guess can be a bit hard because you know you you want people do want to fix we have that in our nature that you want to try to help and fix but yeah just being able to be there is is yeah. is very valuable and just knowing that continuing to um give positive thoughts and statements to the person even though it feels like it's just you know falling off it's not being taken in I think you just need to continue that yeah like definitely. you need to continue to tell the person that you know they're they're a great person they've got great qualities um that they're loved that they're um and we don't want to um just only think about physical but that they are beautiful mm-hmm and they are worthwhile and they do have something to offer and it can feel like it's falling on deaf ears, like you're talking to yourself, but you just need to keep keep saying it. Definitely. Just keep, don't stop saying it, keep saying it. Yeah, because, yeah, even if it does feel like it's falling on deaf ears, it's still being heard. Yeah. Um, and I think your subconscious yeah. soaks things in, even if it doesn't feel like it's being Definitely. heard, it's going in. Have you seen that thing? I don't know if it's like a fake news thing or if it's real, where they have like two plants and like they talk to one plant and they say really <laughs> lovely things and then they talk to the other plant and they say like Horror mean things. things. <laughs> and then like the one plant like grows and thrives yeah. and the other one dies, yep. like most of my indoor plants. <laughs> I don't know if that's true or not. Um, I should... Um, Google that or yeah. like look it up, but like it, whether that's true or not for plants, yeah, I think it's definitely yeah true for humans. Absolutely, you know, if you've definitely. got someone talking down to you all the time, of course that's going to mm-hmm. affect you. If you've got yeah. someone saying wonderful things about you, even yeah. if you don't believe it at the time, it's still helpful to yeah. have that surrounding you for yeah. sure. Yeah. Were you worried at all during this time about how other people might? perceive me knowing that I had um been diagnosed with depression not at all okay no 
Yeah. I, I can honestly say I never even thought about that because maybe mm. I don't care what anybody thought. Well, <laughs> I mean, that's a good thing. <laughs> and, um, yeah, and I guess maybe it's because I'm a nurse, like different physical or mental conditions, um, I wouldn't worry about people judging because okay. it is what it is. Everybody has something going on. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know that, like, there must have been times that were obviously, like, harder than others, but, you know, it has been about 16-odd years or so now, and I would say that I'm very lucky that you understand me as well as you do. And so, like, for me now, if I'm having a bit of a bad time or a bad day or I'm a bit down or whatever and I'm not, you know, at my sort of base level... yeah. I'm quite aware of how I act and I can be... Snappy. Um, I was going to say that. Jeez. <laughs> I just don't wig you out. I can be short was the first thing I was going to say. I can be short or blunt or quiet or snappy. And I think because you're the uh, the closest person to me or the person that I'm you know, most comfortable with, Unfortunately, it's, you're probably the only person really that ever cops that, which I, I hate saying. And, I mean, I always feel really bad afterwards and I'll usually send you a message later <laughs> saying I'm sorry. But, you know, I guess, you know, how how do you feel about that? Or, you know, I guess have, have you just uh, learnt that that is... Absolutely learnt. I think I may have a different way of viewing it than probably a random person would be if they had it, but it's just a um, symptom of anxiety. Mm. That way, and I just know that it's not meant and I just not ignore it, um, but I know that it's, yeah. It's not personal. It's not personal. It's, yeah, it definitely isn't. And usually what will happen when this kind of, like, this will happen is it'll, it'll occur and I'll be snappy and I'll go home and I'll probably cry. Yeah. And then I'll message you. will release that I'll say, snappiness. I'm really sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because it's like it feeds into itself. It's yeah. like the anxiety makes me act this way and then, I've, then it's like the depression will kick in because I've, like, acted yeah. in a way that isn't me. Yeah. Well, it is, it is me, but it isn't me. So it's just, I guess, that is more sort of like my modern day that how it will present sometimes yeah. now. Like yeah. I don't necessarily have those big spirals where I'm like crying because I can't take my contact lessons out and everything yeah, yeah. makes me look fat. It's, I mean, those things probably still will happen at some they point. Probably would. But it's, I guess, it's, I've become more self aware, definitely, yeah. and gotten to a point now. And, and sometimes I'll say it to you. Beforehand, yeah. like I'll be like, I'm having, I'm having, yeah, a day. Yeah. I'm sorry. So Please stop asking me questions and don't tell me where to park. <laughs> it's just, I think, it's just your way of dealing with the anxiety when it comes up. I've got to be short. I'm just short and snappy, but you know, I, I think that probably a long time that will change to something else, or yeah. it will go. You will have learned enough. You would have had enough time to take control of that snappiness and work it out some other way at some point. God, you want to call me snappy a few more times? <laughs> <laughs> it reminds me of 
with the cute little crocodile. I like Snappy. Oh, God. You baby short. shark. We're short. Yeah. Short. I'm short. Yes, you are short. <laughs> but, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's a forever evolving thing. And yeah. the more that I learn and grow as a person as well, that will evolve. Yeah. Um, you know, it presents in that way. It also presents, um, I guess, like in my work day, it'll present differently because yeah. I have to be on for customers. Yeah. And my job entails me being um, social nice and, and you know, as a sales and, yeah. rep. And so I can't walk in there and be snappy. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it'll it'll be different in that, like, I'll go in, see the customer, come back out to my car and then have to take, like, time yeah. in the car to yep. try to regulate my yeah. pulse and um, probably I will have a cry yeah. because I cry, which is your fault. It's just a genetic thing. It's a genetic thing. <laughs> it is, sadly. It is a genetic thing. <laughs> but, yeah, so I guess, yeah, it definitely has, yeah, changed over yeah. over the years. Yeah, how has the process with this podcast of high tide, low tide been for you? It's been something that I could never do. I, I really admire that you're able to do it. I'm proud of you for doing it. I, I just couldn't ever do it. Um, I feel like it's not the end of the journey, but I feel like it's a really major step in your mental health journey because you're now able to openly, well, you can see the big picture of like at different stages, we can only see where we're at at that time. But I feel like it's come a circle and you can see the different stages you've been at and how you've dealt or not dealt with those things. And you can, you're able to speak about it and share it, which will hopefully help other people who are on the way along their journey. I mean, you are still on your journey, but there are people that are at different stages that will be able to listen and get something out of what you're talking about and who you're talking to. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, and get something out of it that will help them along their path. Yeah. Yeah. Has it been all right for you to be listening into those episodes? Oh, I've loved it. Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Did you leave me a review? <laughs> no, I don't know how to do that. <laughs> I'll have to show you. Or at least click five stars. What are you listening to it on? Spotify? Spotify. Oh. Yeah. I didn't know you could click any stars. I'll show you. I'm listening while I'm walking, so I'm not. Also, if anyone else listening screen. has not rated and reviewed my podcast, please do it after this episode finishes. Thank you very much. We all learn something. <laughs> have you felt that, you know, throughout this process at all? you know, helping me along with my mental health has had an impact on your own? I wouldn't say it's had an impact on my mental health. It's made me sad at times, like when you see a child not feeling the way about themselves that you feel about them. Um, and it will it will make me sad in that I think, no, I'm going to stop. <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, No. <laughs> um it it will it makes me sad that it's had to be difficult like that process has not been easy and i wish it could have been easy and shorter yeah <laughs> like but you know it is what it is but you, everybody every parent wants their child to have 
an easy, stress-free journey where everything goes along this nice little plan that oh, we have. Yeah. <laughs> but that doesn't really happen for anybody. You know, it really doesn't. Yeah. We think it has. Like we might look at other people and think, oh, they had a really easy time through school and then they got a really good job and now they've got three houses and they've got all the things that they always wanted and... But um, I definitely, I think the more time goes on, the more I know that what you actually see is not how it is. Yeah. At all. Yeah. I think that, you know, whether we talk about in real life or social media and whatnot, you know, people, you know, you want to put your best foot forward. So a lot of what people are seeing um, is the highlight reel in inverted commas. Oh, completely. And that's way more now these days. Yeah. With, like you said, the social media, it's just ridiculous. But even like, if I think back to, you know, back when I was diagnosed, like, you know, most people had no idea because, you know, I didn't want them, I guess, to know at that time. So there was a, I guess, a fear factor at that point for me. Yeah. So either way, I guess, yeah, you, you do have to keep in mind that you you are only seeing one side of things yeah but also if I go back to what you said before you wish that it had been easy and blah 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 for me like I want to say yes like okay yeah I wish it was easy and whatever but at the same time you're a product of everything that you've been through yeah and the challenges that you've been through so yeah I, I don't know that I would want to and change it. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if I had the magic <laughs> wand and I could, maybe I would, but like I'm grateful for it at the same time. Yeah. So, which is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That's really awesome. That makes me happy. Oh, good. I'm glad. <laughs> I always got a couple of tears out of you. No, no. I had to stop for a second. <laughs> Recoup. I think it would be obviously, I think there's probably people out there who are going to listen to this who may. Think, like I said earlier, that, okay, I'm in the shoes that you were in when trying to help a family member who's potentially going through something. And, of course, we're not trained professionals in here. This is just, like, our personal um, ideas and advice. But what would you suggest or what advice would you have for someone who might listen and think, okay, that sounds like what we're going through. How can I help my child or my loved one? Um, I think most importantly, keep communication channels open. Um, try to talk up, uh, talk about all sorts of issues and check up on someone's welfare. You know, ask them repeatedly, not repeatedly so it drives them nuts how they are, but don't ask one day and they say, okay, and so we'll leave it another six months and not think about it. Look for all sorts of signs, and some signs can be things that are um, normal in teenage years, etc. Um, but don't uh, turn a blind eye. Like keep looking for those signs, um, talking about things, and you know if you think there may be something wrong, there's no harm in going to chat to um, a counsellor or a doctor or what you know, anybody like that, if there's nothing going on and it's just a bad day, that's one thing. But if there is ongoing issues, um, it, you do need to go and talk to someone. So don't give up and throw in the towel. Keep persisting um, with trying to help. 
Yeah, definitely. And, you know, people who are maybe suffering from some form of mental health um, condition or maybe they're depressed, you know, they're probably going to tell you that they're okay the first time you ask. Completely, yeah. How are you doing? Are you okay? Yeah. You've seemed a bit down. Oh, no, 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 I'm fine. Yeah. Oh, it's just a bad week. And, it, you know, it is a tricky balance of, you know, not yeah. wanting to push someone and push them away. But I, when people ask me, I say to them, it's better to do too much than not enough. Not enough, yeah. If that person was to, you know, harm themselves or whatnot, would I be comfortable that I'd done everything I could? Yeah. You can't fix the problem for them. No, no. But, like, have I done everything I can to mm-hmm. support them? Yeah. Without being at the detriment of your own mental health as well. So it's really important to take care of yourself. Keep the balance. Yeah. And take your multivitamins and (laughs) your vegetables. (laughs) And visit the health food store in Canada. No, just joking. They don't own that anymore. But they do own the nursery there. Yeah, buy a plant. Plants are always good for your mental health. Plants are good for you. Yep. Very good. Gardening, pottering in the garden. Yes. So what do you do to take care of your mental health? That was a good segue. Absolutely. Loads of pottering. Um, loads of beach walks. Beach walks absolutely are one of my favourite things and something I would recommend to anybody. Getting, if you live close to the if ocean. You live close to the ocean, <laughs> getting your shoes off, grounding, walking in the sand, walking in the water, um, just letting your head clear. Um, that's a daily thing, not when it's cold, but it's a daily thing for me when it's, when it's good weather. And it's so helpful. Mm. You know, no matter what's gone on during the day at work, the minute I'm on that beach, it's gone. Yeah. Completely the wind gone. blows it away. It's <laughs> so windy around where we're living it at the moment. It can be at times. Yeah, I don't like the wind very much, but mm-hmm. you can't complain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so pottering around. Um, I think even certain kinds of music are good for lifting your spirit. Oh, definitely. Certain kinds of music and certain kinds of movies will make me go, Ugh, mm. and then others will lift you up. And that's different um, for every person as to what does that and doesn't do it. So that's another thing. Um, yeah. And spending time with friends, even just going out for a, one drink or yeah. you know, going out for a meal. Yeah. Connection is super yeah. important for me when it comes yeah. to my mental health. And keeping things a bit interesting. Mm -hmm. Don't um, shut yourself away and get into um, a routine or a comfort zone where you don't push yourself Mm -hmm. um, because you can get very lonely and very isolated very quickly. Yeah. And that's not ideal either. No. Yeah. So that's why also walking on the beach, you're always going to run into somebody. Yeah. And I do find um, around where we live, so for people who aren't from Adelaide and have no idea what we're talking about, so we live in, in a coastal area um, in Adelaide, South Australia, and both of us live like less than five minutes yeah. from the beach. So yeah. there's a little, you can walk on the sand, there's also a beach path, and I find that people are quite friendly. Very in this I'm, area. You know, definitely more like you stop and have half an hour chats with people. I just say hello (laughs) as I'm passing. But people, you know, as that is good for the spirit. Yeah, oh, completely. Definitely. Yeah. So get out there and say hello to every person (laughs) you walk past on on your travels during the day. 
I think it makes people smile and that it makes does. you know it feels yeah. good for yourself. Yeah. Definitely. Even if they still look down and walk straight yeah. past. <laughs> and then sometimes Which does I'll be happen. like approaching someone and I'm like getting eye contact ready and, and they're, they're just like down. looking down and I stare at them and I'm like okay, they're gonna think I'm crazy. Maybe I shouldn't force my hello on people when they don't watch it. <laughs> it's not forcing. Yeah. Is there anything else you'd like to add? Just that I love you very much. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm very proud of you. Thank you very much. It's awesome what you're doing. Good. Well, thank you. Yeah. I think that there'll be people who definitely listen in and, you know, might resonate with different parts of this story. So thank you for And even if they have a laugh, that's beneficial as well. I'm happy with that. Definitely. (laughs) And I just think, you know, if you're if you are out there and you are worried about a friend or a family member, just have have a conversation with them about it. You know, there's lots of resources online about how to have these conversations. I would say make sure that you, you know, pick a time and a place first. You know, like don't approach somebody in the middle of a group situation where you're probably going to put them on the spot. Choose the right place to have the conversation, you know, be ready to just listen. You don't need to offer a solution. Just listen to what they have to say. If they say they're okay, I would revisit that another time and just say, look, you know, I'm, I've noticed X, Y, Z and I love you and I'm worried about you. Um, you know, how can we, you know, look at getting some help or, you know, you can, you know, say, oh, let's, you know, look up on the internet together. Let's yeah. make an appointment. I can come to the GP with you or I can come to the psychologist with you. I can sit out in the waiting room just so that person feels supported. So I just think people often worry too much about having the conversation that they're going to upset the person or that they're going to offend the person. It's better to ask than not. How would you feel if something happened to that person and you hadn't had the conversation is how I look at it. That's not to put the blame back on anybody else, but I just think it's really important that we have these conversations because literally having one of these conversations can save somebody's life. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was a very dramatic way to end that. <laughs> from such a light-hearted, well, not really light-hearted, but a very yeah. fun episode. Yeah. I think this has been the most fun yeah. one that I've um, recorded. No offence to all my lovely other guests, but it's different <laughs> having your mum on the, on the podcast and to think, you know, six months ago I didn't even, no, a few months ago I didn't even have a podcast. So mm-hmm. how very exciting it today very has exciting. been. Yeah. So awesome. Yes, thank you. We're going to wrap it up there, I think. Thank you so much for joining me today. You can go off and enjoy the sunshine outside now. Thank you. You're very welcome. Now I have to hang the washing. Oh, you want to do mine? (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys, we will see you next week. Thanks for joining me. And don't forget to rate and review. (laughs) Show me how. If you enjoyed today's episode, please hit the subscribe button and leave me a five-star review. Even better, if you know someone who might benefit from listening to it, please tell them all about it. You'll find more information from today's episode in the show notes. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on High Tide, Low Tide, please email me at lisa, spelled L-E-E-S-A, 
at hightidelowtideau.com or DM me on Instagram at hightidelowtideau. See you next time.